ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. Another episode of 1% Better, your weekly Colts podcast from The Athletic. And I don't know, man. It feels like football season. I don't know. I'm feeling I'm feeling a little crazy here. A it's going to feel frisky. a lot more like it next week when I'm sweating on the sidelines watching players practice. But uh, I'm excited Good for it times. this week. You know, I, it's, it's weird. It's mid-August and we haven't spent you know, half of our life on the sidelines watching, watching football practice. I know. Uh, I think we would be, hmm, I think we would be covering like the preseason opener this week. Normally. I think you're right. Yeah. We'd be getting pretty you know? tired of, of practice. It's always like <laughs> a nice break when you get that first preseason game. And then you realize you have four more weeks of preseason football. Right. We spent the first week of camp like, oh my God, I, I can't wait till they play an actual game. Right. And then they and actually it's not an actual game. game. Right. And then they play the preseason game. We're like, oh, my God, this sucks. <laughs> so so what, basically the point is we really complain a lot. So right. uh, I guess maybe maybe it's for the better. You're not having to hear those complaints. But anyhow. No complaining this year. We're going to be very <laughs> positive. It's the season starting. You know, We're going to be on the field next week watching actual football, and we're very grateful for that. Never been so happy to look forward to a sunburn. So we've got a lot to cover today. It's been kind of a... You know, uh, I don't want to say a busy week, but there's been there've been things happening. Even though practice hasn't technically begun, they're out there uh, doing conditioning. Actually, they started some practice yesterday for the first time with actual coaches, so they're they're getting there, and they will ratchet that up come Monday. Put some pads on at some point, and uh, we will have football very soon. Uh, but today, we'll talk about how things are going. Just you know, in terms of the COVID battle with the NFL and. I dare I say, so far they're winning. I, I don't know. Well, knock on wood. Uh, yeah. We got to cover T.Y. Hilton. Lots going on there. Howard Mudd, may he rest in peace. Uh, I think he definitely deserves some time on this yes. podcast. And then we'll just get into what we're anticipating from practice. So um, I just want to start off real quickly just recapping what we know so far from the NFL's medical staff, uh, Zach, uh, in terms of the testing uh, they have they tested when players reported to camp a total of 2,840 cases. Oh, excuse me, players, and found 53 cases of COVID. Which I I don't know what the percentage is on that. I what is that? Maybe I don't know. It's very low. You had to probably <laughs> expect that kind of number, right? If you're gonna uh, 2,800 is is you know 80 players on every team, 80 to 90. They they made the cuts. 50 players total, that's one or two per team. You had to expect I thought it was going to be worse. Right. I thought it was going to be worse. I really Fair. did. Right. These guys have been God knows where. All over the God country. God knows who. Right. Yeah. And some taking precautions more than others. So I had no idea what to expect, but I didn't expect it to be good. And it was pretty good. And so here's my, here's my question for you. If that's, this is a really foolish and reckless thing to say, but if that's, potentially the worst case scenario because when they're coming in the door you would assume that's when things would be at their worst i mean what is your level of optimism now going forward it's growing and i'm hesitant to say that because i don't want to underestimate covid but um you know every guy we talk to every coach and every player and every assistant and all of them they're very very impressed with the lengths to which the nfl buildings have been overturned essentially to become COVID prevention centers and, and, you know, slash football training facilities. Um, and, and you 
probably watched Chris Ballard's video that the Colts tweeted out the other day where basically he said this is the greatest test of discipline we're all going to have. It's a total different level of discipline. These guys all know discipline. They play football, right? And this is going to be, I don't want to be the guy that screws it up for this team. And I saw someone tweet the other day that I think this was a player and he said, look, whatever team handles COVID the best is probably going to be hoisting the Lombardi trophy. I hope that's not the case. I hope the best team wins the Super Bowl, but I think it's a complete unknown right now. And I'm, I'm very encouraged so far. I really think if you take all the precautions and, and have the, it's just going to be hard with, you know, 80 players now slash 53 to 60 ish with the practice squad in September, they're going to have to make, the right decisions, not just this month during training camp, but September and October and, and all that. And we've got into how are they going to celebrate victories? You know, that's when they go out. They're going to have to make total different changes and they're not going to be able to have friends fly into games and, and their families in some situations. But if the NFL pulls this off, the NFL, a league that has been rightly criticized for years at how they've handled different crises, deserves a lot of credit. I, I will give them credit because there's no bubble. And if they are able to pull off a season that's competitive and entertaining and safe, they deserve a lot of credit. I totally agree. Look, this is not the NBA. There is no bubble. Uh, and But what I would say is uh, you talked about, you know, that player suggesting that the team that handles COVID best might end up winning the season. But, you know, it's been fun to watch the NBA and not really be concerned with with COVID in terms of it has been balance. so fun to watch the NBA games at right. two o'clock and four. It's it's major <laughs> I can't get props any work done. to the NBA. Major props. Pacers yeah, are five and two. Right. How about that? Right. And I mean, and who doesn't want a Pacers Heat series? Right. So. Oh yeah. And then the other thing is, or in conjunction with that, like we're talking about all right, who's playing well and who's hot. We're not talking about like. Who has a couple guys down with COVID? And Thank who's, goodness. Right? I mean, so that makes all the difference. Now, whether they can do that in football is the question because I think it really does change the complexion of things if you're you're talking about having to battle the virus. And so in terms of competitive balance, right, it, it is going to be very interesting. Uh, we haven't had to have that conversation yet. We have in baseball a little bit. Uh, not, so far, not so far in the NBA. So very interesting. Um so far, the NFL seems to be, or NFL players seem to be having a little more discipline than maybe uh, baseball players, but uh, but they have a long way to go. Yeah, that's true. The, the news yesterday was that they're they're going to continue testing on a daily basis until September. Mm-hmm. And testing is everything because you're going to be able to spot it and you're going to be able to trace it. And these guys are being, you know, forced to wear these contact tracers where they know everyone they've been in contact with for the entire duration uh, of the day. So that's going to be huge because it's going to pop up and teams are going to get hit with it and they're going to know how far it spread. So um, when you prepare for the worst, I feel like they're going to, they're in a pretty good spot to handle those situations as well. Yeah. As far as the testing, look, I don't know what the cost involved is. I'm sure it's significant, you know, to have these medical facilities or medical personnel set up at every facility to to run the test, which, you know, requires labs and so forth. I'm sure I'm sure the cost is enormous, but um I'm I'll be very curious to see if they can continue the daily testing or even if it's feasible because I think the difference between testing every day and testing every two or three days is enormous. It's it's a big difference because the virus can seep in in a day or two. And so if you're testing every day, 
you're more likely, as you said, to kind of be on top of it and shut it down and do your contact tracing and, and knock that thing out, go get those people out of the building. If, if you're not testing every day, I think that becomes harder. So, so we'll, we'll see. Um, it, that is going to be, I think one of the big challenges here, uh, how do they massage the testing process going forward and can they sustain it the way they're currently doing it because it's right. clearly working. So. Right. But that's it's good that you have evidence that shows this is the way that works. This is a way that works. So that's something we haven't had for the last six or seven months. Yeah. And, you know, on this topic, I asked Frank Reich about this yesterday. And, you know, he kind of said what we're saying, which is, you know, I'm kind of surprised. And I'm kind of optimistic. But, you yeah. know, but with a lot of respect for for COVID, because COVID is undefeated this year, as we know, the only the only team that's undefeated this year is uh, COVID-19. So uh, let's talk, Zach, uh, briefly about uh, T.Y. Hilton. He, we, we knew that this would be an interesting situation going into this season because he's entering the last year of his contract. Uh, he, he, he's got, well, he's, he's 30 years old. He's coming off the worst injury season of his career. We had that conversation last week. He doesn't sound optimistic about getting a deal. Is that a fair assessment of what you heard? Yes, but also T.Y. being T.Y. Like, just if it gets done, it gets done. If not, whatever. My play will speak for itself. That's essentially T.Y.'s <laughs> entire media scrum the last six or seven years. Um, interesting year ahead for T.Y. Hilton. I'm not ready to say it's a guarantee he's back in 2021. And I know how hard that is for a lot of people to hear. Trust me, I know how valuable this guy's been to the franchise the last eight years. He's been phenomenal. He's a Ring of Honor guy, but he's got to stay on the field. And this business is just cruel sometimes. And Reggie Wayne wanted to come back, and they said, no thanks. And Peyton Manning, and I could go on and on in the list. And I think T.Y. has a good bounce back year. I don't know how the contract will look, but I, I think it's going to be a tougher decision than a lot of people probably assume. Okay, so... uh I slightly disagree, which is cool. And we had this conversation earlier this week. I think that I think that the Colts typically want their great players to retire Colts, right? Jamersi particularly. But none we, of them do. I know. Well, that's what I'm getting to. And and I think that I think that sticks in his craw. I think that is bothersome to Jamersi. Uh but I also think that those were very there were very isolated situations in or the very unique situations in each instance, right? So Peyton the, the most unique situation of all, obviously, we right. don't have to rehash that, right? They did what they had to do. They had no choice there. Yeah. Reggie well, was older. Reggie will needed be. to go. I love yeah. Reggie Wayne. Like, I will always, always, always love Reggie Wayne. I love hanging out with Reggie Wayne. Reggie was done. And Reggie, in retrospect, knows it, by the way. <laughs> okay, because we've had the conversation. Reggie he didn't like it at the time. No, he didn't. But, I mean, no, you remember didn't. that 14 season. He, he wasn't the same player. He was not the same guy. It was hard to watch, frankly. So they made the hard decision there. Look, we want you to retire, Colt. We love you. Uh, we're not resigning you. Um, who am I missing? Uh, Edge traded. Now that sucked. But but he was younger. That was not a – right. Here's where I disagree. I, this is not Jim Mercer's call. That's just my feeling. That's my gut feeling. Well, not ultimately, no. I know that Ursay will step in very, very rarely on roster moves. He did with a Peyton Manning in that situation. He made that decision. This is Chris Ballard's call. Chris Ballard loves T.Y. Hilton, obviously. 
But uh, and I don't know which way T- Chris Bauer is going to go. But my point would be, you got to look to the future. And I, you know, I, that's why 2020 is so big for me. It's so big for me in terms of what we see from T.Y. Hilton. I think he's phenomenal. I think they have really big plans for him. I think that's why they brought Philip Rivers here to to run the offense the way Frank Reich wants to run it. And that means go routes for T.Y. Hilton. And that means, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. getting more attention on the other side. And Paris Campbell getting attention in the slot and that giving T.Y. more room to do what he does. And so if he stays in the field, it's going to be a lot of fun. Those are T.Y.'s words. We're going to have a lot of fun this year, him and Phillip Rivers. I believe that. I just don't think it's a done deal just because this league is really unfair sometimes. And and I just I think it's a Chris Ballard decision. And Chris Ballard is going to have to look at it strictly from a football perspective. So. Yeah, look, I, they're not going to give Ty like the lifetime achievement award, right? That that's not how it works, and I understand that, and I nor should they. Uh, I I do think that I do think that unless he has a bad season, they'll figure this out. Now, this is not going to be an easy contract, and, and we're talking under the assumption that this doesn't happen now. It could still happen, like they have left the door open, but it doesn't sound like they're having the conversation. It doesn't sound like it's like tomorrow, next week. Yeah, it's just no. it's just a weird time to negotiate contracts. I mean, the Colts. Right. Right. I would probably put Ryan Kelly in terms of pr- priority a, a bit higher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. So, look, and, and even with Ryan Kelly, you could always – the other thing, there they don't even have urgency there because they could franchise him if they had to. You know, so uh, – and he's already, I think, a $10 million guy. And you're, so ha- you're happy to year. pay him the franchise money, to be right. honest. Right. You'd pay that. You'd pay that for a year. That's fine. So – Look, I mean, in terms of cash, by the way, this is not really a, a salary cap decision. It is, but but these aren't foremost salary cap decisions. The Colts are in really good spot, really good spot right now. Yeah, and they have been for a couple of years. Let me ask you this: Do they act like that? Do they no. act like a team no. with a ton of salary cap space? They're still very prudent with their money. I, I you could throw DeForest Buckner out there, but I think that's that's a position you pay for, and that's what Chris Ballard wanted and. You know, maybe they're paying Jacoby Brissett way too much money to be a backup, but that was a very strange situation last year when they gave him the contract extension. So they're not a team that just spends money because they have money. If That's my point, I guess. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think that for them, the reason for that is actually very smart. And I, I wish I managed my own money as, as well as Chris Ballard does, because <laughs> to be honest with you, look, they, they never want to be in a position where things are purely a financial decision. And I think that is very smart. You want to be able to make the decisions for the right reason. You know, uh, look, we're going to pay this guy because he's an amazing player. Not like, can we pay this guy? Yeah. There's a difference. And, There's and, a difference. and let's be honest. They want to pay T.Y. T.Y. has really, really, really stepped up the last couple of years. And his teammates have seen it. And Frank Reich saw it in 18. I mean, the guy didn't practice after Thanksgiving. And he basically played on one leg and, and got them to the divisional round of the playoffs. And um, I'll never forget that. That was when T.Y. changed in my mind to an absolute team first, keeps his mouth shut, delivers in the field, plays through injury guy. I mean, that was big time stuff. So, um, they, yeah, to be completely clear, you want to pay a guy like T.Y. You got to pay a guy like Darius down the pike, Quentin Nelson down the pike, huge, huge dollars. So that needs to come into the factor as well. But, um, you know, what does Chris Ballard always say? You want to pay the right kind of guys. You know, you want to pay DeForest right. Buckner. You want to pay T.Y. Hilton. So, you know, the impetus will be there. We'll just see what kind of season he has. Right. So, you know, look, I, I think you mentioned that 18 run. And I think that that for T.Y. and for Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, like solidified his place in their minds as right. 
as their guy. Like they, right. the one thing you, you talk to Chris Ballard as much as I do, like his love for TY, like it's legit. Like, I don't know that they, that there's a guy in that building who they respect more than TY Hilton. I mean, he has, he has put it on the line. Nick Sirianni said it, I think a couple of weeks ago, he said he carried us down the stretch yep. in 2018. He did. I mean, he, he, a five Frank wouldn't even ask him if he was okay. Cause he wasn't, but he was still playing. You know what I mean? It was one of those High and low and, ankle springs, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's same, amazing. Same ankle. Amazing. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just think that is going to be kind of a fascinating situation uh, moving forward. I'm, I'm just really interested to see how all that plays out. Um, but I, I think COVID is a, is a backdrop here, just for the record. Not because you know they're not playing, because obviously they're back, but I think there are salary cap implications. They're trying to work through some of that. You know, in terms of what is the cap next year and right. what are the implications moving forward? There may be some reductions in the salary cap over the next several years to spread out the impact, but getting all of those details squared away is taking some time. So that's why you're not seeing a ton of deals getting done right now. I think teams are trying to figure it all out. So, as one player told me who's looking for an extension, he said, This is probably the worst year ever to have a contract up. So, yeah, I think go. that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Uh, so before we go on, a quick word from Manscaped. So, fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Don't answer that, Zach. Um, no, <laughs> I, don't neither will leaders, I. I don't think the leaders, listeners want to hear my answer. <laughs> so the peaches are open, sun's shining, the bushes must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Uh, so they want us to give a little firsthand uh, here I, I don't really have a whole lot to say other than getting old sucks because then you have to figure out like which of the gray hairs on your beard and mustache you want to deal, deal with like how how far do you want to go you know so that's like my manscaping adventure so anyway yeah it getting old sucks and also when you see the first gray chest here that's when it really gets real <laughs> okay not, not there yet but yeah so dreading the day you didn't have you don't have to respond i'm just Putting that out there. So there you go. There's a little insight in, insight for the listeners. So anyhow, Manscaped has forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect 3.0 package. The Perfect 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. It's the best trimmer on the market for those who are in need of a chest shave. You can also adjust the settings, get a link you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, that's a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20. That's T-H-E Athletic 20. THEATHLETIC20 at Manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. And now, a special offer for our listeners from Indochino. Let's move on to uh, Howard Mudd. That was really uh, a sad development this week. Uh, We knew he was not in good shape. He had a former or a longtime Colts offensive line coach. Uh, I think he coached for 47 years in the NFL, if just I'm not a, mistaken. Just a football lifer. Just put him on a football field. 
Yeah. So had a tragic motorcycle accident. What was that? Maybe a week or two ago. Two weeks uh, and ago. had really been in bad shape. And, and we knew that the prognosis was tough. The injuries were very severe. Uh, we got the news yesterday that he passed away. Um, so I had, I was not fortunate to know Howard Mudd very well. I just had my experience with him last season was really it. Mm-hmm. But but I, I've been around long enough now in Indianapolis, you know, the last seven, eight years to know a lot about Howard Mudd and, and to get a lot of people's impressions of Howard Mudd. And I just think it, it's rare that a, a position coach, I think, leaves the legacy that this guy left. That's, to me, yes. what's so interesting. Uh, I mean, how many position coaches have we covered, right? You know, right. dozens. They come, they go. Right. You forget. Sometimes you don't even meet them. You don't even get to know them. You're not even on a first name basis with them. And here is this Sometimes, guy. Yeah, this, this guy leaves a legacy, a, yeah. a literal legacy. You, you are, you have a lot of memories. I'm sure of of just his presence. Uh, even maybe not knowing him as much as as some of the old timers. But what are your recollections just from you know hearing the Howard Mudd stories that you've heard and, and knowing what you know? Yeah, and, and Colts fans know this intimately because everything changed. I mean, think about the early years of Andrew Luck and how much that kid just got beat to hell. I mean, you think back to Peyton, who played twice as long in the same uniform and never really took a hit. I mean, I can think of one hit he took in a Washington Redskins game in 2006 where he busted his jaw. And that's like the only major hit I can think of Manning taking. I mean, they were top five, top three in sacks allowed every year during that peak run. And that's Howard Mudd. That's that's Jeff Saturday. It's Terry Glenn. I get that. But it's also Howard Mudd. And you're seeing these words come from these players. I mean, Terry Glenn, who was one of the more underappreciated Colts ever, you know, saying this man changed my life. You know, I wouldn't have been the player I was without him. And Jeff Saturday was an undrafted guy who was working at a gas station in North Carolina who tried out for the Colts and, and, was an absolute nobody and he made six pro bowls won a world championship and, and is a ring of honor guy and and that's a credit to just saturday for sure but it's also the man behind the scenes and you know these were peyton manning's words yesterday peyton manning who not just one of the best players in history but one of the greatest football appreciators peyton always cared about the history a lot he said in my opinion howard mudd was the best offensive line coach in nfl history i'd put him on that pedestal any day of the week and peyton and howard would have these great discussions about protections and and all that over the years and you know those years with Reggie and Peyton and Edgerin and Marvin and, and all those guys and Dungy were were amazing but there's these guys behind the scenes that really you know made it go and, and Tom Moore is one of those guys who really taught Peyton that it's okay to throw an incompletion don't try to force that interception early in his career and and look what Manning did he won all those MVPs and you know an interesting tidbit about this is Howard Mudd was riding his motorcycle back from spreading the ashes of another great Colt offensive uh, assistant coach, John Tierlink, the man who taught Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis on the defensive line. So those guys are the underappreciated heroes behind the scenes, but Howard Mudd was not underappreciated yesterday. You know, I, was, I got the chance to talk to his, his nephew, and the family was overwhelmed with the amount of support led by Jim Mersey. And so many of the players that, that Howard coached. And so it was cool to see him get the recognition because it's not a flashy position, right? It's not 
you know, offensive line is you're supposed to be quiet. But, you know, there was that great story from Jamerse. He walked into Howard Mudd's office the day after they drafted Peyton Manning and said, keep this kid clean. Howard Mudd delivered in a big way, and that's why that team had so much success. Yeah, and I I think about just sort of the the ironic twist of fate that uh, that brought him back to the Colts last year. Yes. <laughs> Which you, is, you remember the, the video that, that Chris Ballard showed him? It was Quentin Nelson yelling at one of his teammates for being nice <laughs> to right. the other team. Howard's like, that's I'm right. in. I'm coming back to Indy. <laughs> so if you don't know the story, it basically goes like this. So uh, the Colts are looking for an offensive line coach. Uh, Frank Reich finds Chris Strasser at the University of Washington. He had been in the NFL. People knew him. And so as it turns out, uh, Howard Mudd lived in the area right near campus, apparently across the street, and just starts showing up to practice. <laughs> and so, like, you know, the coach, Chris Peterson, welcomes him in. He's Howard Mudd, right? Like, so, yeah, come on in. So they start, you know, because he, he can't stay away. He's supposed to be retired. And it's like, go, go retire, dude. But he can't retire, so he comes and he starts hanging out, and the guy just like ends up kind of being an unofficial coach. And so him and Chris Strasser developed this relationship, and when Frank Reich comes calling, he realizes, wait, wait a minute, you know Howard Mudd, and like you guys are tight? <laughs> so yeah. it ended up being a package deal. So Frank Reich went to Chris Ballard and Jim Mercy and was like, hey, I know this wasn't in the budget, but we got to make this happen. <laughs> Exactly. I think he was like, I wasn't planning on this, but like, please let me hire this man. And, it's you know, a great story. Saying, it's yeah. a great story. He's they like, couldn't help themselves. He's like, Jim, by the way, uh, Howard's coming back. <laughs> it's like, I mean, Jim Ursa was more than happy to write that check, right? So, um, you know, he, he never was here for the long haul. He, he was coming in to help out, help Frank, help Chris Strasser, um, two men he really respected. So, you know, he was never intending to come for for very long. And what did it last? Maybe, I don't know, nine months or so? I think he was here yeah, or something like that. middle of training camp maybe. Howard had to ride around on a golf cart, but um, yeah. you could tell the respect the offensive lineman had for that guy, that's for sure. Yeah, so it, it was – I thought it was. I thought he had an he had an imprint. He left an imprint even on this current team, which I think is kind of cool, uh, because these guys. I thought last year what the dominance we saw from this offensive line in the running game. I know the season didn't go as well as as people would have liked, but there was a real takeaway. I thought in just the way they asserted themselves um, in terms of being physical. And I thought they took that to the next level last year. And I like to think that Howard Mudd had a little touch on that, you know, had a little bit of an imprint there. So uh, I think that's another sort of thing his family can take away and, and be, uh, you know, be happy about and know that, that he, he left an imprint even on this current Colts team uh, that they'll be watching for years to come. So kind of cool. One of the best, rest one of the best ever. You saw so many different writers from so many different teams mentioned yesterday how he impacted this player and how he made this player great, and that was really cool to see. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, turning our attention before we get out of here to uh, what's coming up now, I do think that we're going to see. Well, no, not I think we're definitely going to see some football here in the coming days. Uh, some teams have given their reporters access already. Uh, teams are doing various degrees of football activities. So for us, I, I believe it starts Monday. So we'll be out there and we'll get a firsthand look at this team. I, I don't know that they're going to be you know, going full speed, car crash speed on day right. one in pads, but 
you know, we'll get there. So I, I got to tell you, I'm just I'm really looking forward to seeing what this passing game looks like. Um, look, Philip Rivers' release is what it is. It's ugly, and I'm going to have to get Ugh. used to it. But <laughs> but I do think the ball's going to fly, man. I do think the ball's going to fly around. Um, and Phillip he's Rivers, got options, man. too. He's got they options. Loved it. They love this guy. I mean, they we really talked do. about him last week, and, and his infectious energy kind of comes through the screen. And I think fans will see this when you see him on interviews and stuff. It's going to be different this year without fans in the stadium. But T.Y. Hilton loves this guy. And – it's just, it's just, it's like Andrew Luck again. It's, it's not the same level of player, I don't think, but it's kind of like he's a very humble team first guy. He just cares about his teammates. He doesn't care about all the noise off the field. Um, that works, and I think that especially works in this kind of city. And look, I mean, he, he came in and he replaced a really popular guy in the locker room, and Jacoby Brissett, and, and they're getting along really well. And you cannot get enough good things to say about Philip Rivers from all of his teammates. I mean. Jack Doyle was saying the other day, like, yeah, he's like an eighth grader who just loves football. I mean, you know, that's Anthony Costanzo saying sixth grader a couple of weeks ago. So um, I'm looking at two guys next week, and I, and I know it's not going to be real football, but I'm looking at 99 on the defense. I want to see what DeForest Buckner looks like at the middle of this defensive line, and I'm looking at 17 on offense because Rivers is going to be um, the guy to watch. Such a weird number for a quarterback here. 17. Yeah, terrible release. Terrible number, if you ask me. <laughs> so uh, I, I got to go back and look at, like, who are the – who are has there been a great quarterback to wear 17? There's been a few, I should, I should say. But anyhow, uh, I, I do think that there's going to be a, a lot of distribution of the football, too. I think that's going to be something that's interesting. Look, I have a story I, I just turned in yesterday. You'll see it, I believe, later today. Uh, it's about – the, the way Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers maximize tight ends, for example. And you could write the same story about running backs because uh, Phillip Rivers is going to throw a lot of balls to those guys. I mean, I look at what Austin Eckler's done the last couple of years. I think he had 90 catches or something. Danny Woodhead had 80 and 90 seasons. Right. And you know who's pumped about that? Naheem Hines. As he should be, right. Yes. So, And I, I think they may even get some of those other guys involved. We'll see. But but I, I do think that the ball is going to definitely get passed around. And one of the things I found, though, in this tight end story, I won't give all of it away, but um, they – first of all, Frank Reich, <laughs> as he said, he can talk all day about tight ends. Like, the man loves tight ends. And so now he you're said that. Him. I said, <laughs> Stephen, you know, I could go all, on all day about this. <laughs> And he wasn't kidding. And he wasn't. And now you're pairing him with a quarterback who's all about that. So I, I'm just telling you, I think if you're Jack Doyle and and you're Trey Burton and, and Mo Ali Cox, get ready. Okay, get ready. Uh, so, like I said, the ball is going to find its way to everybody. And, you know, not to say nothing of, you know, T.Y. Hilton and and others. So uh, I, I really do think it's it's going to be a lot like Andrew Luck that way. Because I think I feel like Andrew Luck never played favorites. He really did throw the ball to the right guy. Uh, I mean, Ty was his favorite. Let me rephrase that. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but certainly for good reason. But but my point is, like, if it wasn't there, like he had no problem going to whoever, right? I mean, he's going to throw the ball, you know, be it Hakeem Nicks or you know any other anonymous receiver these this team had during his tenure who wasn't named. Uh, T.Y. Hilton. So I, right. I, I think I think that Philip Rivers has such a better supporting cast now 
than Andrew yeah. Luck ever had. So that's the, so that's the shame of it. But you're right, and is. that's a credit to what Chris Bowers done. I mean, this offense, where do you go with the football? You got so many options. You got Paris Whatever Campbell, who could be really good in year two, and you got Ty, and you got Pittman, and you got Taylor, yep. and you got Mack, and you got Naheem, and it's it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it really is. And so anyway, that's what we hope to give you a sense of. When we get out there next week, I, I think we'll learn a lot. And and I think if you if you follow us during training camp in past years or have followed us, you know this. You know that that that's where you get really a sense of how things are taking shape. Look, it doesn't all pan out. We know that, okay? Right. But I know a player when I see one. <laughs> so so we'll see. We'll see. I, right. I really think we'll learn something. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for lots of coverage on the athletic. Uh, we have more interviews coming up this week. We're supposed to hear from uh, Jacoby Brissett. That should be interesting, I think. So stay yeah, tuned for that. Yeah, interesting for him, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Uh, as I said, lots more coverage coming on The Athletic for that tight end story. If you're not subscribing, we got deals for you. Uh, you don't want to miss the upcoming sports season, which is about to be bonkers. Uh, apparently, we're going to have an NBA Finals in October in the middle of the NFL season. Like, we're going to have the Masters in November. Too much. Too let's much. go. Let's keep everyone safe and let's, let's do it. It's going to be fun. Let's do it. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. Stephen Holder, Zach Kiever. This is 1% Better.